Hi there. This is City Book and Company, a chatty little podcast that dishes and dotes on the upstarts, icons, dreamers, and doers of Houston, the most fascinating city in America. I'm Jeff Grimion, the editor of Houston City Book Magazine and HoustonCityBook.com, and I'm your host. Welcome to City Book and Company. This is part two of our fascinating conversation with two of Houston's best chefs. Much more to talk about with Austin Waiter of Tony's and Mayak Istwal of Musafir. We are taping today, I should note right off the top, from the Giorgetti Houston. What a beautiful building. This is a new residential condo building in the upper Kirby section of Houston. This is a partnership between developers here in Houston and the Giorgetti Furniture Company, which is more than a century old, high-end, fancy Italian furniture. And this is the first time they've ever partnered with a developer, and they're doing it right here in Houston. And it's gorgeous, and we're honored that they let us come and tape our little show here today. We're back today with Kate McLean, also as my guest co-host. She is a chef and a journalist and a podcaster, and she is sitting right here, and I couldn't be happier to have her. Kate, how are you doing? Thank you. Thank you. I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. You have a really kind of wild and varied resume, the kind of things you do. You've been a chef. You've been the executive chef at Tony's. You work for the food bank. You have in, engaged in uh, different types of journalism and not just food journalism, but like serious breaking news and hard news journalism. But something caught my eye in your resume, which is you are taking up stunt driving and you also have recently gotten your forklift operator's license. What the heck is going on? Yeah. So <laughs> thank you to the food bank and my instructor, Willie, shout out to Willie Floyd and Rosa. I, I was able to get my forklift certification. So you never know when you're going to have to jump you, on is, a forklift. That's because and, of the food bank? Yes. At the distribution sites, there are forklifts. That's how we get the kind of the pallets off of the semi and, and into the tents to distribute. So having that skill was exciting for me because I like to get in a driver's seat. And I realized that actually at Austin Waiter's birthday party a couple of years ago, he had it at K1 speed and we all went go-karting and it was, it was a blast. But in August I, I was in a car accident. And so my, oh gosh, yeah, it was all good. Everyone was okay. But my rental car was a Toyota Corolla and it had one of the, you know, the handbrakes, but the, the thing you always <laughs> want to pull. Yeah. And so I did a few YouTube videos and on the last day of having the rental, my friend and I went to HCC and, and did some handbrake moves. And, and I, since then I've been practicing driving backwards and I don't know what skill this will lead me to down the, the way, but I'd like to be able to handle what, cars. What is your five-year plan actually, Kate? What <laughs> One foot in front of the next is really that. Well, you're a fascinating person and I'm honored to have you here helping me interview two great chefs and right after a very brief break to hear from a much valued sponsor, we're going to get back to Austin and Mayank. With interest rates being as low as they are, like so many other Americans, I recently refinanced my home. I shopped around a lot of the big national mortgage companies and the big banks, and I thought I'd do myself the favor of checking out a local Houston-based company, too. I was delighted when Envoy Mortgage not only found the best deal for me, but made it all so easy. Nice Houston folks held my hand through the entire process, most of which I was able to do from my house. It was convenient because you can automatically connect your 
bank statements, your tax records, and your income documentation right from your phone or your tablet or your laptop. You don't have to worry all the time about how it's going as the process goes along because you get updated on each step of the process and receive video guides and helpful articles along the way. And it's pretty darn fast. Envoy's loan origination and underwriting is all done under one roof, which means your loan moves quickly. Envoy can help you whether you're buying a new home or refinancing. They even have special programs for first-time home buyers and veterans. Envoy Mortgage wants you to love your mortgage experience. Check them out at EnvoyMortgage.com and tell them Jeff from CityBook sent you. And now back to our show. You know, there's the question of whether restaurants should have been locked down, should continue to be locked down. What does that mean? Should it be 25% or 30%? Should it be indoor or outdoor? These have become hot-button political issues all over the country, and a lot of states have done it differently. I wonder how you feel Texas has done. Do you understand the choices that have been made by the leadership of the state, and have they done a good job in balancing the, the different interests here between safety and the economics concerns around your industry? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, looking back, we can always say, you know, we should have shut down earlier. We should have done this stuff. And I think we are one of the luckiest states to be able to do in restaurant dining. You know, a lot of these places in New York and California, especially when it's getting bad. Tillman Fertitta just tore into Bill de Blasio of New York. Like, yeah. What the hell are you thinking, dude? I mean, to be able to be open and to serve people that are comfortable coming out in a safe manner. I think we're very lucky in Houston to, to be able to do that because, you know, we're not forcing people to come into our dining room. As long as you feel comfortable coming out, we want to have you there. But we also have that to-go program. So we still want you to have great food and to enjoy yourself, but you can do that at home. And I think Houston's done a great job with, you know, trying to keep the restaurants open because it employs a lot of people in this city. And it's such a big industry that we need to keep people working. It really did push us all to be so creative in different ways. And I think we have, that was one of the blessings that came out of this was everyone really pulled together to feed each other. And we all just got together to figure out how do we get money into the restaurant? How do we do this in new ways? That was kind of the silver lining but in the beginning, I was I was a little worried about our staff, our front of lines restaurant people. You know, they're there serving and, and cooking all together for guests. And I'm so grateful that because of masks and, and safety protocols, a lot of people have been okay for the most part, which is huge. Shift back for a minute now. I said I wanted to come back to Tony Vallone. Austin, what it's kind of a big question, like what did you learn from him? But is there a particular memory or moment that comes to mind that something you picked up from observing Tony or learning from Tony? I think just being around him, I think everyone can say, it. you know, just being around him, you felt different. You wanted to do something that someone else hasn't done before. Or, you know, you want to, if you put a dish in front of him and he looks at you and said, wow, that's great. You know, the happiness that that brought because you know he's... It's like when Johnny Carson waves the uh, the comic over to the couch. Yeah. I mean, you know... That's a reference people under 40 won't get, but never mind. <laughs> well, you know, he's dined around the world and he's, you know, a veteran of the food industry. And just to be able to serve him and 
try and have him educate me as much as I can bring to him. And I think his openness to learning and, you know, to evolving, that's what grew on me is, you know, you will never know everything. You need to keep an open mind for everything, take it head on and, you know, evolve with the times. And I think, you know, with him being able to, you know, continue on, he just taught me everything. So. Hey, do you have a memory? Man, you know, the three of us, we would, we would run around the kitchen together, Austin and Tony and I, whether we were fixing something or, or preparing something. But like you said, he, he brought this energy to the table. He could run circles around us. Trying to think of, um, oh, we did, uh, there was a, a period of time when Austin was helping me scare people because it was <laughs> it was fun and funny and like, made me like laugh. Sneaking up behind people and going boo. That yes, kind of thing. yes. Okay. So <laughs> Tony would kind of laugh at that, but then we got him one time. Yeah, we got him good. <laughs> we got him good. What happened? <laughs> we we like we we just we we let him out to the the loading dock. I can't I can't Austin, quite imagine getting. I'm doing air quotes getting Tony Valone, but. I gotta um, hear this. And Austin was wearing a mask, and he was he got, he was like, "Oh my god!" And then he started laughing and was like, "Yeah, I was hiding in a giant yeah. cardboard box yeah. and popped out." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't expect it because he's always ready for everything. But we had so much fun with him. He took us out to dine at the best restaurants in the world, and was forever generous. He he took he took great care of us. You know, I also, in all matters. I also learned at his funeral that he, was it Whataburger? Didn't he really like Whataburger? Or is that a myth? I think I've heard you him know, talk about he, Whataburger. He <laughs> likes Whataburger. He, um, Which was, that was the most shocking thing I've heard in like a year. During the shutdown, I think I ate the most Whataburger this entire, because he would, you know, he would go out and, you know, our kitchen staff was there and he'd come back with a huge bag of Whataburger. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, man, I'm like... You know, I'm definitely going to eat two cheeseburgers, but I'm not happy about it. And, <laughs> you know, he kind of lived, you know, his diet through me and Kate and everyone around him because, you know, he was very strict in his diet and, and staying healthy and whatnot. And so he probably wanted to eat a Whataburger cheeseburger, but he fed it to us instead. Yeah. <laughs> you talked about cooking for him and some of it went in the trash, you said. Uh, some of it was a big hit and probably wound up on the menu and some of it not. Do you have any memories of like particular dishes you attempted that just either well, either way that, that worked really well or maybe maybe even more interestingly just total flops yeah i mean i remember and he he hates avocado so he would just not even so one time i made this <laughs> avocado and bergamot ice cream and you know i thought it was the greatest thing i was so excited about it and you know he ate it and he said this isn't going on the menu and <laughs> and you know his and it wasn't just his preference, you know, he, you know, he would eat anchovies out of a can, you know, for the rest of his life. And, and that's what he loved, but he understood that, you know, the people coming to Tony's and the, and the pallets in Houston and, and what sold and what didn't, you know, at the end of the day, it was a business and, and how are we going to get people back into that seat? Um, which he was so great about doing. Kate, do you have a memory of those days trying to please Tony with a dish? A lot of pasta dishes for oh, me. Yeah. I, pasta is, it, it is so simple and that is why it's so hard. So, you know, we, I was mm. always either on this side or that side What does that mean? It's so line. simple. That's why it's so hard. I mean, if you think of an ali olio, you have to start the garlic off in a cold pan of oil. You have to bring it up. You have to add the salt and the pepper at the right time so it doesn't steam the garlic. 
Uh, your pasta has to be cooked perfectly. It's got to be just enough coating it enough, not too much at the bottom of the plate. It's he, he taught us all the intricacies of pasta and learning that through mistakes. And, and he was so gracious and patient with me. That was huge to learn from him is how do you make it? How do you make something so simple, but how do you do it the right way? And how do you do it perfectly? So I love Tony and I think he had a, a hot and cold relationship with a lot of food journalists. I, I think it was fairly easy to get on his bad side as a journalist. Uh, if you, if you reported on something or had an opinion about something in the restaurant that he didn't agree with, that never happened to me. He was always very kind to me. And I, and I wondered if maybe I, I, he, he had a, a son named Jeff who is also now passed away. Uh, but, uh, I think I'm about his age and I, I wondered if that had something to do with it. Like he gave me a pass, uh, because of that reason. But the closest he ever, ever came to giving me a hard time was when I referred in an article to Tony's as sort of the, the CNBC place where all the, where all the society swells went. He, it, and fair to say it, 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 it is that. Um, <laughs> so I was, I was, I, I was fact checking myself correctly, I think. But uh, he really did not like that assessment of the restaurant. He really wanted the food to be the first thing you talked about. That am I so wrong for you talking know what's about? Interesting. Is, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Lynn Wyatt does it, go there. There's a salad on the menu named after her. Yeah. yeah I mean, food I mean, was. I mean, like you said, you know, food was like that was a part of him. And you know, even if someone said he, they didn't like it, well that's how he's done it. And that's, and that's what he loves. So it's kind of like saying like, Hey, I hate your haircut. Like, no, he, <laughs> it's a part of him and it's, and it's how he believes it should be made. And, you know, he would make that opinion voiced of course, because he truly believed in everything he did in every dish that went on the menu. He truly believed that that was, you know, the best rendition. Because so he took he's it personally. Not, yeah, I mean, he definitely. Well, sometimes, I mean, a lot of times he knew better than the people writing about him. You know, uh, it's hard for a writer to know everything about one thing. So if they nitpick something that they may not know what they're talking about, that would frustrate me. Yeah. As a restaurateur. Definitely. Tell me about Donna, how's she doing? Donna is Tony's widow. I understand she's now stepped into a leadership role, she's helping run things. What is your relationship like with her? How is that going? How is she doing? She, you know, grieving's a process and, you know, we will all still be going through that for a long time. But, you know, she has always been in a leadership role. Obviously, Tony's been the biggest name and his name's on the building, but Donna's always been that sidekick. She's there. She's, she's always been there. She's always been there when he's there right by his side. Um, every time, you know, we make something, she's there tasting it, giving us her opinion as well. And, and she's a wonderful baker. So, you know, spending she's made my birthday cakes, oh, food, which now I mean, I, her what kind red velvet. Uh, yes. I was about to say her red velvet, and her carrot cake are, I mean, that's all I crave. There's something unique in that red velvet cake. And I've tried to guess, and she's the only time she's not super sweet, like a mom figure to me, every, everything, everything I write in the magazine, she, she talks about how wonderful I am. It's like stuff my mom would say that level of compliment. Sweet. But the only time that she's ever said no is I've, I've tried to get her to tell me what's unique about what's going in that red velvet cake. And she, nope, not going to tell you. Yeah, she truly is amazing. I mean, she's 
just so warm and hospitable to every single person that walks through that door and, and our staff and, you know, being able to spend time with her in the kitchen, um, is truly, you know, amazing for her to still be in there and, and in there every single day. Cause that's, you know, what she's dedicated to for us and, and the restaurant. She's incredible. He has left a long shadow. Tony Vallone has, and, uh, it's, it's nice to remember him a bit and talk about him. Another thing that he did in, in my ink that I think applies to you and, and Kate and Austin will have some thoughts on this too. But, you know, I, in some ways I feel like he sort of swam upstream of the local war movement. He, did, he wasn't opposed to local ingredients, but he really thought it was an asset that he was willing to go all over the world, wherever he needed to go. I think often it was Italy, but wherever it needed, wherever he needed, the, or, or the Mediterranean, but wherever he needed to go, he would go to source those ingredients. And I know, and I'd, and I'd love to hear from you on that, Austin, but my ink, you do that at Musafir, don't you? I mean, you source a lot of the ingredients directly exactly. from India. And why, is, why do you do that? And why is that important? So basically, the, the most important ingredients that are native to India, they don't even grow here. So we definitely uh, get to source it from India. But... Uh, in terms of the fresh ingredients, we, we definitely uh, work with a lot of local farms here. And uh, I, I really love the produce here. And that's the reason uh, we do like four different kinds of menu because every season we change the menu. And since we opened, uh, it's the third menu change. So we are running the winter menu right now. But the sourcing of the spices have been very important because, uh, as I said before as well, we source the spices from the spice growers. So there is no middleman in between. And that makes a lot of difference. I'll tell you briefly what I think about spice blends and spices and why we source it from India. Uh, for me, spices are living things. You know, the moment, you know, how to make a spice blend easiest way is people, bunch, people throw a bunch of spices on a pan to like heat it up, Right. That's the easiest way. And, and this is the very common answer that you hear from everybody. They don't even realize, people, that there's different surface area of different spices. Imagine a, a big cinnamon on a pan and a poor, cumin, stick, yeah. uh, and a poor, poor cumin or a poor black pepper, it dies under the stampede. It's the heat of the pan kills the spices right there. Right there. It's so delicate. The essential aromas, the essential oils are already lost. And then people grind the spices in a mixer grinder. That's the second death of spices right there. And it's, it, I'm not that talented, but people are. They can kill a dead body again. I cannot. <laughs> so, uh, and then they preserve those ashes in the bottles and they call it that this is my spice blend. So making a spice blend is an art. And I, I This is a pretty everything. harsh uh, indictment of how I do spices, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I used to tell my mom, you kill the spices every single day. Why do you do it? do it? Like, you know, I'm not that that talented like you. You do it in a mixer grinder. Do the ancestor's way. Or do it in a pestle model. That's the best way to do it. So uh, that's the reason. There are so many different multi And, and these spices uh, are there on the shelves on different stores for so long. You don't even know whether they're alive or they're already dead. So for me, I can really make a difference if I get the sources, uh, uh, if I do my sourcing right of the spices with the food. So this because spices are the spirit for my food. So, so spices are very important. That's the reason I, I, uh, we get our spices from the spice growers in India. 
and making sure that green cardamom comes from the southern part of India. And Mother Nature is very beautiful, believe me. So every spice has its own nature, like cooling, warming, or digestive. So green cardamom comes from the southern part of India, where it's really hot over there. And it gives cooling to your body. And black cardamom comes from the northern part of India, Himalayan uh, mountains. And it's, it has warmth in, in there. It's a warming spice. So even the nature is so beautiful, so we respect it and we get the spices from the sources in India, making sure that we are doing the uh, recipes right, uh, sourcing the ingredients right, and we are cooking the seasonal uh, recipes and using the seasonal spices because spices are also seasonal. A lot of people don't realize that. And spices are medicinal, so if you do the medicine wrong, you're going to get heartburns, digestive issues, everything. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I make turmeric smoothies, and they're probably really dead. So powder? <laughs> so dead. <laughs> Believe me. It's powder. Powder. So try to use fresh turmeric. It's, it's always available. I see it in H-E-B. I see yeah, it in... Yeah, I switch to Kroger's. dry. Go back to fresh. To fresh. Okay. okay, okay. Because it's, 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 it's a root uh, vegetable spice, actually. It's, it's a root vegetable. Yeah. It goes under the ground. So believe me, it's fresh is better. Dry powder is basically you just are using as a dye or a color to your food. That's it. Okay. It's already dead. Sorry so to... <laughs> you're, you're doing all of your spices in a mortar and pestle. Yes. And are you doing that kind of right before service or... Every morning. Four e- people in the morning, morning and they hate me for that. Everything. <laughs> they hate me for that. We make sure that we are blending our spices. And there's another way to do it. You know, Thermomix is the only equipment um, I just found out like six months ago. Thermomix is the only equipment who can do justice to your spice blend. Really? Because it doesn't heat up. Right. That is the best equipment. So as I'm going deeper into the spices, so I realize pestle and mortal is the best way to make coarse spices. But if you really want it powdered, because yeah. that's the only way to do it with, with Thermomix. Thermomix. Thermomix is an equipment which is revolutionary, I would say. For the chefs. What do you think, Austin? Oh, for sure. Uh, I I wish I had one at the restaurant. Unfortunately, (laughs) we don't. But a Thermomix and all these, this new specialized equipment really helps heightening the ingredients that we're able to use, for sure. And and where do you stand on Locavore? It's it's not like it's yet to pick sides, I suppose, but I'm going to be dramatic and ask it that way. Where do you stand on Locavore versus international sourcing of the best ingredients? You know, I think Tony kind of, you know, set in my mind, sourcing ingredients from overseas because they're the best ingredients. You're not getting, you know, you're not getting risotto rice down the road here because they're not going to grow up better than you can get in Italy. So when you're talking about rice and mushrooms and all these different things and flowers, um, you know, you want the best of the best. And just to be able to do that, it's importing it. But I also, on the other side, Love supporting all the local vendors. You know, my wife has a booth at the Urban Harvest, so I'm there literally every single weekend. And just being able to walk around and seeing the products that these people are producing is pretty amazing. Um, And, you know, there's a bunch of honey um, purveyors there. And, you know, each little one has its own little thing that's unique to itself. So, you know, finding different ingredients at the height of, you know, their freshness and that their quality is you know, why we import stuff from around the world. But I I strongly believe in him, how he said that he goes to all these markets. And this is, uh, this is how I, my vision changed as well in terms of sourcing locally as well. And that's the reason 
where we are launching a new menu at a farm, Blackwood Farm. We are collaborating with them and we'll be doing every single dish from the farm that is growing in the farm. Only the spices will be from India, but every single ingredient will be from... It's a Blackwood Farm. That's great. Yes. And then we'll be launching our spring menu there. Before two weeks, we launch in the restaurant. So it'll be a, a small ticketing event. So if you want to do that at a farm. Spring menu launching at a farm. What's on the menu? So on the menu, we have a dishes... Uh, uh, revolving around uh, so one I'll, t- I'll touch base about few dishes will be one will be the mango and the turmeric salad so uh, so there is a very peculiar kind of uh, turmeric that is mango turmeric oh. it's super delicious and they grow it at the farm when we saw that we said we should definitely incorporate that wait is it a mango or is it turmeric it's, it's, it is a cross of uh, uh, they, they infuse uh, somehow genetically they modify the turmeric so it's amazing it has a flavor of mango in the turmeric unbelievable that sounds amazing yeah I so try it right we, now. we're gonna <laughs> use that for sure and then they grow like uh, 13 or 14 different varieties of chilies and we thought let's uh, this will be the perfect platform to tell the story right about the chilies and the pepper the confusion of the chili and the pepper so so pepper for me is the black pepper, the seed, the spice, and yeah. chili is a fruit still, for me. I like it's not a pepper as a fruit. Uh, it's a fruit. It's a fruit. That's if you cool. see that, it, it's not even a spice. That, that's so. That will. So we are doing a, a a dish. So it has like seventeen components of chilies, made from different chilies. One dish. So we'll be doing that Man. as well at the farm, and uh, we are also doing a dish with the avocado. So that will be, it'll, it'll look like a real avocado, but it's a mock avocado. It has layers and layers inside. And uh, then uh, we are also doing uh, a dish that comes you from... You do that with a mushroom dish now, don't you? Where it looks like mushrooms, but it's not. Oh, yeah, we try to do that all the time. So that's our, our, our very patent style to, to, to actually... Uh, it, it, you know, when you look at the dish, it looks like real mushrooms or right. real apricots or... Uh, we also did a few dishes in the main course uh, uh, for the entrees. And it, it looks like taking inspiration from the nature. It looks real, but it's not. It's fake. I love it. We, we do that all the time, yes. yes. Playing with different textures. You know, that's what... Uh, it's all about senses. Food is fun. Know. It is always fun. And, and you know, uh, I think Austin will really agree. Like, being working as a chef, you know, it, it opens up your senses so much. You know, you only have five senses. But if you can tickle the sixth sense for the diner, believe me, you're Venezuelan. So that's yeah. what we, we tickle their six senses. The third eye, right? The third eye. You know, people call it a different, differently, but I, I call it like a sixth sense. If you can tickle that sixth sense with, the, with your food, believe me, uh, they're going to come back. And that's what we're trying to do with our new dishes as well. It'll be like strong. We always change the style of menu every season. So this time it will be ingredient driven. So the name of the dish will be like chili or avocado or mango and turmeric. That's it. And then you, you get surprised, of course. So th- this, is, will be, this will be the new way of looking at our new menu, our, our spring menu. So That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. What are you cooking up, Austin? So, you know, we're about to, we're, we're finally in winter in Houston. I think it's somewhat cold today. <laughs> um, we don't get much cold we're weather down here. We're taping in mid-January. Yeah. 
But, um, so we're, you know, we're, we're constantly changing. So we do seasonally changes, but we also do weekly changes and daily changes. So within one week, you know, our menu can look completely different. So, you know, bringing in seared foie now, finally that it's cold enough to do so. Um, so that's new to the menu. We kind of make a, a leek and honey sauce underneath, and then we make a northern Italian style flatbread. Um, that's kind of going underneath, and we use semolina in that and give it, like you said, textures. Textures are so important. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to just eat soup. You want, you know, acid and heat and crunch and softness, and and to be able to channel those textures into a dish is always super fun and unique, and and it's a blast to be able to play in the kitchen, just, you know, an experiment and try new things. So I noticed my electricity bill was getting out of hand. It was time to do that thing all we Houstonians have to do from time to time. You know what I mean? You have to go through the hassle of switching to a new provider to get a better deal. And then over time, the prices creep up on you again after the contract period ends. And then you have to do the whole thing over again, all over again, sometime later. It's maddening. Thank goodness a friend told me about Real Simple Energy. This is a new company, Houston-based, started by two friendly local young professionals, Trent and Paul. They're both around 40. And what they do is find you the cheapest deal, the cheapest deals for you. They present you three options, one of which will always be green if that's important to you. You pick, and they handle the busy work of getting you switched over. You will save a ton of cash. Most folks save around 500 bucks a year. I actually think I'm going to save a little bit more than that. And the best part... When your contract ends and your prices start sneaking up on you, they get more cheap options in front of you again and do the whole process again and take care of you getting switched over the whole nine yards. Nobody else does what they do. You will never pay for electricity again, never hassle with providers, only deal with real simple. Set it and forget it. Never worry about this stuff again and have peace of mind. Don't let the big providers take advantage of you anymore. Sign up and start saving today at realsimpleenergy.com. And if you use promo code CityBook, you'll get an additional 50 bucks off your first bill. We are getting to the end of our time with y'all. We're going to get, we're going to do a, a lightning round. And Kate, why don't you participate in this too? Okay. I'm going to ask all three of you to answer these questions. Okay. And then, and we'll move on from there. Austin, you first. What's your favorite ingredient? Fennel. Easy. Nyank? Black pepper. I hated it when I got into... It changed the world. We've been through this. Yes. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, my interaction with the black pepper was my mom used to make a rice dish with the basmati rice because it's native to uh, where I come from in the foothills of the Himalayas. And believe me, I used to really pick out the black pepper out of the pulao, the rice dish. And, you know, when I went to the culinary school, that when I started reading about the spice, it really intrigued me. And now it's my favorite, favorite ingredient, the black pepper. Kate? Cool. Yes. I would say I use a lot of butter. That's pretty good. You yeah. I wasn't going to rate these, but you win. <laughs> uh, Mayank, what's your least favorite ingredient? Least favorite? Believe me, uh, uh, it's guava. Guava. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't like it. I really don't like it. Uh, I, I've tried to play uh, with the textures, and, and we generally do a lot of brainstorming in the menu. We still have a dish that revolves around guava, so that's my team. So, but I, I don't like the flavor of guava that much. Austin? That's tough. Uh, I don't think I have a least favorite ingredient. I oh, think come I'm, on. 
Oh my god. Why is that? I, I know everyone uses them. Yeah, I don't know why we have to use them because they're so pretty. <laughs> but I I just uh beets really get me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That surprises me. Didn't think you were going to say that. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> you feel let down. You look a little let down. <laughs> um Kate, what is your favorite guilty pleasure/comfort food? Oh, probably a Philly cheesesteak. Austin, pizza. What kind of pizza? Just Plain margarita pizza. I'll, if I get crazy, make kind of make one with vodka sauce. It's really good. Oh, yum. Oh, yeah. Nice. Mayank? Nutella. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> good answers. I try to keep away with Nutella, but I love it so much. My daughter as well, like me. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> we touched on this earlier, Austin, but what's the best fast food hamburger and why is it Whataburger? <laughs> well, you know... <laughs> I might make a lot of people angry in this town, but I don't truly believe Whataburger is all that great. I don't see the hype around it. I didn't grow up around it. so Luke, we're going to have to edit that out. What we else do we have oh, here? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, true fast food, like I think probably Wendy's, but I grew up on Wendy's. So I think it's what you grow up with and kind of brings you back to that childhood. But I have never seen eye to eye with the Whataburger uh, fans down here. Mike, do you have a thought on fast food hamburgers? Oh, believe me, I love Hop Dottie. Diablo. That's my favorite. I love it. Hop Dottie? Love it. Hop Dottie Diablo is my favorite. I, I, I went to every single hamburger place. You know, that, that was the thing. You know, when I came here, I tried everything. Still, Hop Dottie, Hop Dottie's Diablo is the best for me. I've never had it. So Have good. you had it, Austin? No, I haven't had it. Have so, you? Well, they might. They might. Hop Dottie's good. Have you had Hop Dottie? Oh, yeah. I think I have once, really yeah. Good. I love Shake Shack, good too. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say Shake Shack. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if Hop Dottie and Shake Shack would... They might be too crafty. They may Somewhat. not want to be classified not. as fast food. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then... But that's okay. Whataburger. Okay. It's fine. Whataburger. <laughs> Whataburger. Okay. There you yeah. go. All right. Start with you, Mike. What's the best thing to cook for a romantic dinner? Okay, believe me. Uh, we have an amazing menu coming for the Valentines. And we, we don't have Valentines. Like in India, it's, it's very different, our culture. Uh-huh. But we gave Kama Sutra to the world. So True. Everything revolves around the aphrodisiac ingredient. So we are planning to give a V pill, like Valentine's <laughs> pill, to start your... That will be a pre-amuse. And second course will be Ama Sutra. Like Am means the mango, mango sutra. So everything revolves around the mango. And it is a very fun menu, uh, playing with different textures and uh, of different aphrodisiac ingredients. Very natural. So that's nice. what we're trying to do. Fun. For the Valentine's. Pasta, and to be more specific, I would say linguine vongole. Okay. Cacio e pepe. It's one pot, one pan meal, and there's not much cleanup after, so it's perfect for date night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that does it. Thank you guys so much. Mayank, Austin, really appreciate you being here today. Thanks again. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Pleasure. Book and Company is a production of CityBook Media and Milieu Media Group. The episode was produced, edited, and mixed by Luke Braun. 
Music you've heard in this episode was licensed from Blue Dot Sessions. Work is designed by Patrick McGee. The links to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. HoustonCityBook.com for the latest news and notes on the most fascinating city in America.